Welcome back to Bonded Voices. The topic, when is violence acceptable? I'm Greg. I'm Ian. And this is Lauren. So we came across this topic based on where we are in the world. And I think it's a great conversation point to see, are we in a similar spot? Or are we vastly different here at our coffee table and... Then, of course, the question to you, the listener, where do you stand? I'd go as far as saying that even within a family, it's something that's other than maybe disciplining kids with a spank or something. It's some violence is something that's never talked about. Not that spanking's violence, but at the same time, some people would say it is. I don't know. I go back to the whole thing is the history of violence. Mankind's been violent from the creation and it's been part of society and we may try to say that we're not violent and there's there's been a you know great examples of people being nonviolent like uh gandhi or uh dr martin luther king with the nonviolent approach but throughout history violence has been a actor of change remember i don't want to jump in there yet on the martin luther king and the gandhi one but i do want to revisit it in a in a bit but you said since creation, right? The oldest stories, Cain and Abel, mm-hmm. first two sons of Adam, like Cain kills Abel. Yep. So violence from the from the very beginning, and then formation of the world, the way co- co- colonialism was carried out, the way tribal f- warfare was, it was all violent. Yes. But the question on the table is, is acceptable right and what what is acceptable violence and how do we you know is violence supposed to be something that we all look at as being this oh no 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 never 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 or is there a place for it well i don't think you can have statements you know the statementship that we have between governments without violence you know what was it uh, roosevelt carry a uh, big stick walk quietly and softly and softly and carry a big stick yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's a smart thought because it's like only, only only use it if I have to. And going back one of our other episodes, I think we said about back in the day, people used to put the gun above the fireplace. Right. And when the gun was above the fireplace, things were peaceful. When the gun was gone, it's sure. obviously violence. Well, without violence, how do you establish or how long can a society exist? without some sort of violence. I would even say, name a, a civilization that had no violent tendency, or had that practiced a non-violent lifestyle, and where are they now? See, I, I think that's a good point, right? Because I think a lot of people would say, America's such a violent place. Where isn't? Right. We just live in a blessed time where we see less of it. Um, but... I think it's, it, yeah, where isn't? Yeah, we've been talking at a government level so far, you know, nation to nation, but, you know, think crime. Crime's been around forever. Violent crime is not anything new. Oh, no, nothing. But let's let's stay on the, on the, on the government level for, for a while, right, and think about, you know, when is violence of a government acceptable? And you look at the recent events in, in Israel and... I think I've even heard people 
who'd probably been anti-Israel, after they saw what they saw and heard what they heard about the massacre, they're like, they have the right to just let hell loose on Hamas and the Palestinians who support them. And, and that's a, you know, a government use of, I think, acceptable violence. And you hear these people who are like, there's going to be casualties and it's innocent civilians are going to get killed. That's what happens in war. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I, I hear a lot of, well, it needs to be in proportion. We need proportional violence. And I think, personally, there is no such thing as proportional violence. No, it's ridiculous. The, the idea thought, of yeah. violence, in, in, especially in a wartime, is to shock your enemy so much and take away their spirit to fight. So you want to be over the top. You want to be the extreme violent end of things so that your enemy says, you know what, there is no no chance in this. I'm, I give up. Yeah, I think so, you saw it during the trench warfare of the First World War. They yeah. got to a point where the violence was just so much that they're like, we've got it. This has just got to stop. Yep, definitely. And, and, you know, to that proportional violence piece, I heard someone talking about that and they were saying, really? So... Have we got to rape the girl the same way that you raped our girl and then, you know, get an exactly 18-month-old and butcher them the same way you butcher them? Is that proportional? You know, it's ridiculous. It is. Yeah. It is. I mean, there is definitely, uh, you know, we have the Geneva Convention, so we, we have rules to war, but violence is going to be there, and you just have to overwhelm your opponent. Yeah. With the violence. So I, going back, is violence acceptable? It is in certain circumstances. Now, if you're in an argument with, or a disagreement on your favorite baseball team and you don't like that, <laughs> the, you sure. know, maybe someone's a Phillies fan and we're a Diamonds back fan and we're not too happy right now. So do you punch the guy that's cheering for the Phillies? No, that's not acceptable violence. But in certain circumstances, there is if someone's being attacked, you uh, and old ladies being attacked on the street, the use of violence to protect her is acceptable. Yeah. In in certain, within certain groups of people. There are other people that say, no, absolutely not. You must turn the other cheek. That's true. That's true. But then that goes back to the argument of what society exists without violence. Because if we let that, in your example, we let that woman get beat up on a street corner and there's no repercussions to the person or people that did that beating up being pacifist have we ultimately enabled them to continue their level of violence yes and their the control of that neighborhood that corner yep. that whatever that might grow into so interestingly dan bongino was talking today about how if you went back to the first gulf war America went into Iraq, and at the time, the, the, the Middle East countries were like, eh, we're the Middle East, we're more, we're more violent than America, you know, we can stand up to anything. But when they saw the power and, and the violence that we carried into the first Iraq war, they said that, you know, they had the Iraqi tanks and things were so old that the, the they were jumping out of them and running to get into pickup trucks. Sure. And we just light up the pickup truck. And it, 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 I think, what did it last? Like 
less than 30 days or something like that. Oh, yeah, it was very quick. Yeah, and a friend of mine always said, he's he's always, these wars are bullshit that we go around fighting because what we should do, we should just unleash hell on them and say, if you want more of it, we'll be back. Again, proportional violence. There is no such thing. You need to just... Overwhelm. Overwhelm. Well, isn't that ultimately what provides a safe society? The fear of, I don't, I'm not going to steal from my neighbor because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want the repercussions from, and and maybe stealing isn't the right example, but I don't want to beat up my neighbor because I don't want someone, I don't want the police to throw me in jail. Well, if they're not going to enforce laws... And some of those laws require violence, to your point. Someone's on the street corner getting beat up. Then in order to get the attention of that individual, it might take some violence to subdue that individual, the proponent or the perpetuator of the violence. I think think the answer is yes. But isn't it funny on college campuses where they would frame violence as being speech? They frame violence as being a lot of things that aren't violence, the way you look at me. They've lived such a a sheltered life that they don't actually know what violence is. Most people nowadays have never seen real violence. Their their violence is playing Call of Duty or occasionally the news will show something violent. They, They tell you about stuff that are violent, but they rarely show you the true violence. See, I actually argued with someone the other day. They need to stop blurring out dead bodies and people being abused on uh, that have been in, like, a war zone and things like that. Because it, now you've numbed people to it, and you go, oh, well, what really just happened? Like, yeah, there's no reality to it. Right. It, it takes it away. Well, to, to take that down a tangent that we may or may not want to go, all the video games that these guys play, that, that the kids play, where, oh, you're dead. Boop. They're, they're, they respawn and yeah. they're alive again. So that removes the severity. And the consequence. Of, yeah. Right. It's, oh, no, that person's not dead. That person's not dead. So then they view it on another screen, very similar to the screen they play their game on. Oh, well, that's not really happening. That violence isn't really happening. Those people aren't being killed. That's that's AI-generated. Yeah. yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier about um, Gandhi and Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. I heard a, a, someone who was a philosopher years ago talk about how they're two great examples of pacifistic um, resistance, but one thing they noted was they were carry, they were both engaged with a government that was extremely civil. The British government in India and the American government over here. Um, not that either of those governments are you know, choir boys, any stretch of the imagination, but at the same time, it wasn't like they were under Pol Pot yeah. or they were under Stalin. And if you look at, um, you know, Bonhoeffer during the Second World War, they eventually hung him. <laughs> yeah, they, you're only allowed to be a pacifist if your your opponent allows you to be a pacifist. Right. Yeah. It, it, absolutely. At their will, you're a pacifist. Otherwise, you're just a statistic. You're a dead man, probably. Um, yeah. yeah. Sure. Sure. 
you know, so, you know, the question with, you know, is violence acceptable? And we don't want it to come across that we're like, yeah, beat them up, kill them, whatever. It's more of a case of the use of violence, and this may sound odd, to stop future violence. Sure. And, and if the, and it, you know, this ridiculousness lately of we need to replace police with social workers. Do you really think, or does any of, any of us really think that um, a visit from someone saying, now, Johnny, you need to stop dealing drugs and pointing guns at people. And we maybe we need to talk about this rather than the SWAT team kicking their door down, hog-tying them and dragging them out. Well, I, I think some irony in all of that is that many of the elected officials that are pushing for that have their own security team. Uh, absolutely. And so there's a bit of hypocrisy who are willing to commit violence if they're threatened. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Those same individuals that want to portray this I am Gandhi mindset, they fully understand that doesn't work. Otherwise, they wouldn't have their own security detail. Yeah. So if, you look, if we're asking the question, when is violence acceptable? I think if we take it to civil disobedience, is violence acceptable in civil disobedience? At what level of civil disobedience? So there's a fine line between violence and, you know, protesting and then just a full on riot. Because I think once you go to violence, your message gets lost sometimes. But maybe that's the only way to get your point across, too. Yeah, well, and we look back last couple of years, you've had the Antifa violence, you have Black Lives Matter violence, you could say they had the January 6th violence. Um, so you've had all those different, you know, a, a moments of violence. Some of those groups thrived by burning down police stations and shooting people and, and doing that. Yeah, they definitely did. That's whether it's acceptable. Short term, no, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think violence ever long term wins. You run out of people to kill. Well, I think that's the idea. The violence, you know, you don't want if you're. I mean, like we were talking earlier. Look at the the Punic Wars with Rome, right? They went after Carthage and. They finally had enough, and they just erased them from the map. Right. There's no great Carthage, you know, empire you're looking at. You don't really study Carthage now except for, oh, yeah, they were there, and then they were destroyed. Right? Extreme violence, wiped them from it, and then they became no problem anymore. Right. Well, I, it's, it's a different tangent, but we've all been around those people that when their children were young, they threatened their children, but never enforced it. Don't do that, or I will. I'm going to count to five, and when I'm done, you're going to be in trouble. Seven, <coughs> eight. <laughs> right, right. And so what have we seen in the behavior of those children? Without that enforcement, without some boundary being determined, that it's it's critical for children as they're being raised. They need boundaries. Yeah. So why do we think that somehow we don't need those once we're adults? 
See, I was always a proponent of telling the kids, especially boys, that the reason it's important to um, follow through when they're kids is because they'll get to a high school and some other kid says, if you don't get out of my way in three seconds, I'm going to punch you in the face. Your face will get punched at high school. <laughs> so learn quickly <laughs> that, you know, you sure. can either take your stand and, and fight or you can get punched in the face. Right. Is that the hill you want to defend? Right. Sure. Yeah, and to learn to speak about it, but also learning that it, people will follow through. Right. So... I, I think that what we've determined thus far in the conversation is, yeah, violence is is reasonable, is it's is important, it's yeah. acceptable, and it's, it's quite a, honestly a, a requirement for a functioning society. See, I, I would even go as far as saying um, America is not America without the violence against the British. You're right. Definitely. You know, there isn't a country around that was yeah, right. established without violence. And, and so it may start violently and not that we're telling everyone out there to go be as violent as you want to get like something great or peaceful or whatever. But the, the, there is a you just got to be honest about it. There's a point in all great nations, England in, included, Australia, everyone, where there's got to be a certain amount of violence um, in their past. Mm hmm. Is not all justifiable? It's not all right, but it—it's it, yeah. I don't know. It's it's interesting because you to the idea of accepting it and calling it acceptable almost endorses it, and not that. And uh, we read about it. I don't want to be at the other end of a gun, or the other end of a rope, or the other end of. I, I can know. I completely agree, and I think all the examples that we've shared at this discussion are extreme situations. So I don't think that any of us are sitting here saying that this is, you know, if your coffee was served to you at the wrong temperature, violence is acceptable right. by no way, shape or form. And I think that we all need to be very respectful of our fellow man out on the street uh, and the ability to try and walk a mile in their moccasins and all of those various things. But push comes to shove, you, we've got to have, for society to function, there needs to be some rule, and enforcement of that rule may come with violence. Yeah, well, and I, I think any time you have police officers with guns or batons or whatever, they may not lead with the violence, but you know it's the, the secondary. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, we've covered macro violence let's think about micro issues of violence where and, and it, where in in the world would micro examples of violence be acceptable and i think about you know defending your family as an area where you could say absolutely violence is acceptable at that point in time oh definitely uh, or if you see someone that requires help and they're you know the morality of helping your your fellow citizens you need to be able to help them and sometimes that requires violence absolutely yeah I, you, I would i would hate to think that i would walk by watching someone getting mugged not saying that i'm gonna you know win that you know violent situation but you know i'd hate to say that i walked by watching somebody be beaten to death and then how could you live with yourself afterwards yeah so, yeah yeah, I've always thought for a second that um, 
for me, if if I saw, let's say, a woman being sort of beaten in the street or raped, I wouldn't run up to them and be like, hey, 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 because I'm thinking, oh, now I've got to fight him. Mm-hmm. I'd, I've always thought I'd be really sneaky about it and find some way to <laughs> clock him from behind without knowing it. You know? Sure. Well, but ultimately, what does that do? That diffuses the situation. So yeah. you're using violence in to a, diffuse the situation. Yeah. Probably end up in jail for it, but like I, in, in our society, but right. I, I think yeah, that's a given. Because that you know that guy who, and it's amazing the stories of uh, that have come out about the the guy on the train with the knife who what's his name Daniel Carey or something like mm-hmm. basically choked the guy out, right? Mm-hmm. And they and they you know all they all everyone's trying to say oh he's being overly violent and blah. blah. It, the guy's got a knife in a closed quarters. Actually, the violence that he chose saved that guy's life, most likely. It saved other victims' lives. Oh, absolutely. And potentially his life, because if, you know, he, uh, he has to, if he's fighting police officers and he escalates it even further, he, he has a chance of being killed. See, I found what he did amazingly admirable, that yeah. he was willing to engage like that. And I know I haven't got the cojones to go that that depth all the fighting skills you may I, I don't um, I'd probably throw Lauren jump in, jump in. <laughs> but yeah it, but it is important and, and, and in the same way that you know there are areas of acceptable violence as a man as you get older you, and as being a father and things you, you think to yourself would I have the stomach to do it well, I think that we've probably all had situations where we've responded more forcefully than we thought. I know that there have been times where I've had, I've been in situations where I felt somebody within my group, within my family has been jeopardized. And at that point in time, I behaved in a, in a way that many people would have been surprised because it was, you just jump, it's, snap in. It's yeah. fight or flight. Right. And I can't pick How fast up. How running? <laughs> <laughs> I can't pick up all of my family and run. No. And so then it's all right. I've got to defend. Yeah. There's a good video that's going around right now. Um, where it, it asks a series of mothers, would you kill for your kids? Oh, the mothers all said yes. Guarantee it. No. No? All the mothers said no. What? They're like, would I kill? Like, how, why would I want to kill somebody? See, I would have thought the tiger mom would have came out nope. and all these mothers that they would have just and been like. It, all the, then they asked a few dads and all the dads were like, yeah, 100%. yeah. In a heartbeat. Just so I understand this correctly. Of all of the moms that were polled, None of them said that they would kill to defend one of their children. That is correct. Let, let's make the assumption that, that that grouping that they polled was some obscure... There were a lot of younger people in that group. And they're being very... Yeah, uh, probably. They're being very literal about... Well, I'd be, if the person died who I was fighting off, who was trying to hurt my kid, I do not care. Right. I will, I will go straight for my sandwich, my coffee, and, you know, wait for law enforcement to turn up. Maybe like... What are the... You know, there's another one where they say, Would you, is, your, is your stuff more important than someone's life? You know, when someone does home invasions. Mm, yeah. And, the, you know, actually, I think it's not about my stuff. It's no, about, it's about them. principle. Yeah. Well, they made not. the decision. Their life wasn't as important as my stuff. Right. 
And you don't know that they're just going to stop at exactly. your stuff. If they're stupid enough to go into a house where you know they potentially could get killed, you have to think that they have other intentions than just stealing a few right. things. Yeah. Well, to wrap this, we just want to say, you know, think about violence in your world. Think about how it's affected you. Think about proportionality within micro situations and... And then, you know, think big picture when it comes to especially countries and their sort of responses. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, it, it's a interesting subject since we're talking, you know, there's so much yeah. violence in the news right now. Um, but, you know, it's a part of society and you just have to find your place in your level of violence you're acceptable with. Yeah. One of the terms that I like to use, even during business decisions, is lose the battle to win the war. And that obviously comes from a violent backing. Uh, so, I, you know, as, as we mentioned, I, none of us here are saying to choose violence unless that situation arises. Just be prepared and just be, you know, willing to, you can't back up any further than home. I'm Ian. <laughs> this is Lauren. And I'm Greg. And we'll see you next time.